You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to the 602 Club Trek FM's local watering hole coming at you live from the Star Wars galaxy. And I don't even know what planet we're on tonight because, well, we've been planet hopping so long. It's, it's, it, I got yeah, no idea where we are. Time flies when you're planet hopping, but I'm really excited to have back with me here to talk another Star Wars book on the journey to. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, the one and only from Star Wars Bookworms, Aaron Goins. Hey, Matt. How you doing today? Uh, you know what? I'm doing well. And I, how could I forget as well? Star Scavengers, another podcast, you yes. know, that people should listen to because, um, well, I love Star Wars and Lego and yes. Star Scavengers. Yeah, we, we kind of, that one's been on a bit of a hiatus. But if you want to check out our back catalog of episodes around about Freemaker Adventures, definitely can check out that one. Which is a show everybody should be watching, especially now they have Disney Plus and they can just turn it on whatever they want. Exactly. Yeah, you can get all the action with. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on Disney Plus now that we have. We have like Rebels at our fingertips. We have Clone Wars at our fingertips. I've almost. I, th- I think I've taken it for granted though. I haven't really. I don't think I've watched any of that stuff since I've had it. It's uh, funny you mentioned Rebels. My wife actually has been rewatching the Rebel series, and uh, as as we're recording right now, she's in the living room watching the uh, the Mandalorian arc from season three of Rebels, which is awesome. So Smart. I was watching a little bit. Yeah, good timing for stuff. Mandalorian stuff. Exactly, exactly. So, well, we're not here to talk about the Mandalorian. We're going to be talking about the the young adult book. Force Collector, and uh, this is, as I mentioned, part of the road to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Before we uh, dive into the book, though, quick reminder, of course, you know, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up with a star rating review on Apple Podcasts and help the show grow, help people find us. Uh, You can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you get the show as soon as it drops. Uh, And then, of course, you can find us on Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. There's the listener-only discussion group on Facebook called the Babel Conference. We've got Trek.FM, which is our website, where you can go over to the contact section, choose a show, Choose the 602 Club, and then that email will come to Christy and I. And then uh, last but not least, I really want to say a huge thank you to our associate producers here through Patreon, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, and Daniel Noah. These guys uh, support the network each and every month as associate producers here through Patreon for this show, but they also support the entire network, making sure that everything is coming to you each and every week, all the stuff that we're doing. Um, it takes a lot of moolah, a lot of credits to run this network. And so we can definitely use your help. Go to patreon.com slash trekfm, become part of our team. We've got some great contribution levels. But again, every little bit helps a month. So again, that is patreon.com slash trekfm. 
Aaron, I had a quick question for you, which was, um, have you gotten a chance to read any of the books or comics in the journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker yet? Oh, man. Uh, I'm trying to remember what titles actually fall under that banner. Um, I did read. So the Spark of Resistance was Mm -hmm. the kind of junior novel, right? Um, Yes. Yes. I don't think I finished it, but I started on a train ride. And kind of got maybe halfway through it, liked it. Um, so I'd read, I'd read that. I haven't read Resistance Reborn yet. I mean, they keep putting out these books about Galaxy's Edge. You know, they we got the, um, you know, we got what was the one called Crash of Fate, and then we got Black Spire, mm-hmm. and then the Thrawn books were coming. The Thrawn book came out. I just I got backlogged. So at this point, yeah. I'm just kind of like... And you moved in all and of I that. And I moved so, in the holidays yeah. and all, you know, so I have <laughs> lots of excuses. So yeah, I actually, when you, you invited me on to review this book, and this was, you know, you always schedule things so far in advance, and it got up to it, and we're like, all right, ready to record on the 9th, and I'm like, oh, I haven't even read this book yet. I think I read this book faster than I ever read any book. It took me... Man. I read it in three days, so... Um, so yeah, so this one's pretty fresh in my mind, but I haven't really uh, gotten into a lot of the other stuff. And I actually have some interesting thoughts around the titling of this being uh, Journey Good. to the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting. Um, go for it, because I am really interested to hear what you have to say regarding... Because where this book falls, well, I'll just preface it by saying where this book falls... This book is is actually a, a book which canonically takes place before the Force Awakens. Yes, this should have been called. This should have been part of the uh, journey to the Force Awakens, or at best, the journey to the rise or journey to the Last Jedi. But when I saw this was the journey to the Rise of Skywalker, I was fully expecting this to kind of happen in between the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, like the other books that have come out. And this one really doesn't at all. I was kind of confused as I started reading it. Um, as they're starting to mention different things, I'm like, wait, oh, so Luke's still, okay, he's still missing. They're still trying to find him, right? They're still trying to find the map to Luke Skywalker. It just felt like, oh, so we're not necessarily in the lead up to um, Rise of Skywalker, which is fine, but it just felt a little bit of a mislead. No, I, I agree with you. It is very strange, I think, I think, where this book is is landing in the timeline. So I, with that, do you, after reading it, do you feel like you have any idea of maybe why they set this book where they did? Um, I mean, it makes sense because the the way that they portray the knowledge of the Jedi and kind of the lack of knowledge of the Jedi... And I was, as I was reading the book, I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, wouldn't the galaxy be a little bit more educated on this stuff? And I don't know if we've gotten just mixed messages from different media that's come out, kind of like how much of the galaxy. Like, I feel like I've read stuff that's in the new canon where it's almost like Luke Skywalker is kind of this like heroic known character. And then in this story, we have, you know, this kid who had never really heard of Luke Skywalker And, but he was still like in a school. It wasn't like he was working on a farm somewhere. You know, he's going to school. He's learning about the history of the galaxy. So I, I did think it was a little interesting, um, kind of the lack of knowledge of the basic events 
that had happened with these characters and that he had never, you know, he thought the Jedi had been extinct since the Clone Wars. There was no knowledge of the Jedi after the Clone Wars, you know, but Luke um, had, you know, been major, you know, big part of the events of the Galactic Civil War. And you would think that that the Jedi were even involved, even in a little, a little way. Cause there was like, even Ray knew the legend of Luke Skywalker, right? When we met Ray. So I just felt yep. weird that he had no knowledge. Like he thought the Jedi had just completely gone away. Yeah. I mean, so you're raising a really interesting point, which, um, is something that I, I definitely picked up on when reading this book. And, and so, you know, for, for our main character car, he doesn't know anything about the Jedi, but his grandmother has always told him about them and has kind of been trying to tutor him in the ways of the Force. And that's because she believes that that's what he has. He's struggled with um, these what they call episodes. and almost feels like he has epileptic, epileptic episodes, right? Say that three times fast. Um, and... Nobody can explain it, and his grandmother believes him to have the Force. And so she has been kind of, of of tutoring him in the ways of the Force as she can, even though she is not Force-sensitive. And um, so it, it made for like this really fascinating thing where since Luke has disappeared by this point, like there's no one to guide this kid in the ways of the Force and it and it just kind of created this really interesting interesting thought for me like that Luke and not to not to this is not a bashing Luke podcast here but that Luke has sort of failed in his mission you know like to bring the Jedi order back one but two to re-educate a galaxy in many ways that for for what they know is the propaganda of Palpatine like that's what a lot of people believe a majority of people honestly believe about the Jedi unless they're in the know and so I just I thought that that was really interesting we really get a picture of how far the galaxy has come from like because we as fans kind of all assume that everybody knows everything in Star Wars, but what we really get a picture here is that, no, that's not the case at all. Like, most people don't know anything other than what they've been told by governments like the Empire. They just bought hook, like, hook line, and sinker that the Jedi were evil, you know, that they tried to take over the Republic, you know, and so I thought that was really, really fascinating to see just how far the galaxy has fallen when it comes to the idea of like just the Jedi themselves. Yeah, I guess I, I was just having a hard time wrapping my head around why. Like, why is this the pervasive you know, thing that people have accepted? Because who's in power right now in the galaxy at this time? The New Republic. This is the New Republic government. The First Order at this time is still like this small... Um, kind of upstart thing that's going on that Leia, if you remember as far back as kind of the first books that were coming out right before the release of The Force Awakens, Leia was kind of, or there were people in the New Republic that were almost denying the existence of the First Order. Like, oh, they're not that big a deal. Leia had to start up this resistance that was kind of outside of the New Republic to fight against this unseen threat. You know, so 
it was just kind of this weird, I feel like there's just the consistent, there isn't consistency in kind of what we've been told in all these canon books. And I get that they have to adjust the story as the movies kind of get released and kind of adjust. But the fact that if the new Republic is really kind of the pervasive power at this time, then why aren't more of the schools teaching kind of about the heroes of, of the galactics of war and the Jedi? Well, I think part of this is, you know, we obviously really know so little about this time period, you know, this 30 years, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just taking what we know, and I know it's called the Legends of Luke Skywalker. So it's, you know, the stories there are more legendary in, in their telling. But even those myths about Luke Skywalker, you know, Luke is, is, is not, you know, immediately, you know, we're not the EU where a Luke is kind of like six years later, he's starting a Jedi Academy, mm-hmm. you know, like, so there doesn't seem to be any of that happening. And because that kind of thing isn't happening in the galaxy sooner, I think a majority of people don't really have any reason to believe different stories about like there's been it doesn't seem like there was ever a time in the galaxy where luke tries to rehabilitate the jedi's persona you know to the rest of the galaxy so but at this time luke's already missing right so the disaster yeah we get the we get the feeling like that luke is already missing yeah so the disaster that happened at luke's quote-unquote academy um with ben has already happened so he did go out and find some students. He did start something. We don't, you know, like you said, we don't know all the details yet. We, that's a story yet to be told. You know, how long did he, did it take him for to, him to do it? How many kids were at that academy or how many, you know, kids slash adults, whoever were there? Um, you know, how many of these people did he find? So, I mean, he was out doing his thing. We just don't know. I think right now, because we haven't right. been shown it, we kind of, we do kind of have almost this, this negative feeling where it's like, oh man, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. But it did seem like he did try to do what he was supposed to do, but then he quickly turned his back on it once things went bad. So we're really, we're really uh, getting nitpicky about this, uh, the curriculum of the schools. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I think, I think the thing that does make this really interesting is that, and, and this is a, this is something that I came to when I was reading the book, especially, I, you know, got it and reviewed it um and and now i got a chance to read it again so as i was, was rereading it i was thinking about this whole idea of how this this really this is a book that it's it's what it's like to be outside of the star wars or outside of the skywalker saga but inside the star wars universe and we know that car kind of lives closer to the outer rim so i mean this isn't a place that gets tons of information um and so it made it really and and again too it's 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 for the normal everyday people right this is a story about normal everyday people in the star wars saga and nothing special about them until we reach the end of the book and it's revealed like that there is this you know ability and and why he has this ability and all i mean even Maisie, if you think about her she didn't even believe the jedi existed at all right you know so it is it is an interesting yeah. <laughs> dynamic um, in this at least intergalactic in, hermit space wizards, yeah, right? So at least in the the part of the galaxy that they live in, um, it seems like you know that there is some misinformation, and it sets the stage for the book mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, and and so for him, I think this is really interesting because, you know, his path throughout this whole book becomes to figure out his his sensitivity in the force, his place in the force, his place in the story. Um, but really, in the end, you know, he decides that his job is to not become a Jedi, but to become the memory keeper. Like, he believes himself to be a... You know, his job is to be a living Jedi holocron almost for Jedi history and to that his job would be then to help re- rehabilitate the Jedi look across the galaxy, like uh, to help people understand who they were, what they were and what they did and why they were important and why they're still important to the galaxy. So we're jumping right to the end. Wait. Well, yeah, that was definitely like, yeah, we'll be all over the place in this book. Um, but it, you know, yeah, hey, that's where it, the discussion led. So, yeah, so um, <laughs> I was saving that for later, but no, um, yeah, that that's something I found kind of almost comical at the end because he doesn't know, right? Like he knows he got his vision and he got to see kind of the history of everything that led up to that point, but he doesn't know what else is going on. He doesn't know about Ray. He doesn't know about even like where Luke's at. You know, he knows Luke exists, but he doesn't know what's been going on with Luke. So it just the fact that they were kind of like, oh, well, you're going to be the only person that can share this information. But you're kind of like, well, not really, dude. We don't you know, there's there's a couple there's a couple other people out there. You know, Luke Skywalker himself is still out there at this time. There's all the Jedi books that are in that tree. You know, there's there's the the, the knowledge was going to get out with or without this kid. So I did kind of like chuckle a little bit at the end. It was like he feels like he's a little bit more important probably than he really is. But I like your take on it, though, like because you did say, well, he's it's almost like you know, I didn't think of it this way. So maybe and I wouldn't have chuckled as hard if I had thought of it this way. But like the fact that he, yeah, he's not going to become a Jedi himself, but his, the idea that he's going to go around and kind of collect, you know, these artifacts and kind of educate other people on the history and existence, you know, that's something that he definitely can be valuable in that way. I was kind of thinking of it a little bit differently where it was almost like he was like, well, I'm the last, you know, all the other, every other Jedi is dead. I'm the last source of this knowledge, which really isn't the case. Yeah, I, I I didn't pick up on so much that he felt like he was going to be the last source of Jedi knowledge, but more that his his role was to be um, almost like an, a Jedi apologist, like to to be the the evangelist for the Jedi and who they were and rehabilitating their image across the galaxy with the truth. And I think, you know. That's kind of something that is really uh, drives this story is like, you know, he's he starts this story with this whole thing about collecting history because we see, again, like Palpatine's view of the Jedi has really shaped um, how the galaxy think. And, and really what this comes down to is that this is this story is really about the importance of the truth of history, like finding the um what actually happened the true facts about what happened because misinformation about history can lead to a lot of bad things and and hurting a lot of people's lives we we've we actually see how you know this misinformation about the jedi that even his grand great grandfather believed 
totally kind of ruined his life in many ways because he didn't get to be with his family because he believed the Jedi to be, you know, um, what Palpatine had said they were. Right. And I just think I thought to me that was really fascinating. I, I really liked in some of the, the latest Star Wars books about like this idea of the the real importance of of and I know you're a huge history buff, too. I mean, you live in like a 17th century home there in New England now. So I know how much that means to you. I loved how this book was a really about that importance of, of finding um, not just history but the true history not some sort of propaganda about that and that's his goal and and so that will then inform how he decides to live later as we talked about like he makes that decision to basically become a jedi historian so that he can restore that image and but also but he can restore proper facts to the galaxy which are actually going to allow people to to have a different understanding of not just the world that was and the galaxy that was, but the galaxy that could be then as well. It's an interesting idea to introduce a force sensitive character into this era, right? You know, we know that they're pretty rare at this time. You know, we don't really know of any other than the ones that have been introduced in the films kind of in this, this far out, you know, into the future, so it's kind of like, okay, you're going to introduce this kid that has the well, force. Well, I mean, there's Broom Boy. Yeah, but... that, I got corrected on that today. I was talking to somebody today about They're like, you forgot about Broom Boy. Like, okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but oh, My bad. But, yeah, so it's kind of an issue. You int- don't want to sweep him under the rug. Yeah, mm, good. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> you're going to derail me with your dumb puns. Sorry, sorry. This was, that was my attempt at a dad joke. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> no, but you know, you're gonna bring a kid like this into the story, and it's like, okay, well, what? Where are they going with this? You know, is he gonna end up joining Luke's academy only to be killed by Ben? Is he gonna end up being trained by Ray later on? And so, I like what they did with it, where they're like, okay, he he's force sensitive, but he's not necessarily gonna be a Jedi, and they. You know, his goal initially was to become a Jedi, but then as he's learning more about himself and the history of the Jedi and the history of his family and he meets Maz and all this stuff, suddenly it's like, okay, you can be force sensitive, but there's other things you can do with your life, you know, if you have the force. You don't always have to just become a Jedi. So I thought that was an interesting dynamic in the fact that he's kind of found his place as this person who can still, I mean, he, because of the force... And the cool ability he has where he can touch objects and he can see that object's history and he can see through kind of the eyes of that object. That's a very unique ability even among Jedi. So even though he may not be powerful like a warrior, he still has a skill that's very rare and unique that he can use to benefit the galaxy in a historical way um, and not necessarily go out, you know, taking people out with a lightsaber. Well, and and not just that, but I mean, when you think about what his goal becomes, like you were saying, my thought process is 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 how fascinating it would be then to you know we're we're getting all these stories, and I feel like we wouldn't get this story until this this trilogy is done. But wouldn't it be great to have a story where Ray meets Carr in between these two movies? 
of, you know, The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, where she's able to learn from him and he's able to learn from her and they'll be able to share information back together because obviously she's got the original jedi text which you know car would love because <laughs> he could he i mean just think of what he could he could feel and sense from touching those books i mean it would be incredible so but i that's something that really stuck with me i was like i i want this character to be able to meet ray because i feel like um, and I don't want to spoil too much because you haven't read the other books, but so far I feel like Ray is is kind of having a very difficult time understanding her place in the galaxy right now, and I feel like she needs somebody to kind of be able to fill in the things that Luke did not fill in for her, you know, um, and and help help her see the truth of this history that's happened with the Jedi in non angry colored glasses that Luke had on and allow her. And and that's where I think a book like that could be really cool because when I picture, when I put that with what Luke says in the, the rise of, and everybody will be, you know, they're listening to this after the rise of Skywalker and be like, you guys are idiots. But you know, when you put that together with what Luke says in that trailer, which is, you know, we, um, you're, um, the last of a, the generation you know we pass all we know a thousand generations live in you now you know like luke's tune has changed too so i just feel like that this would be a perfect way to use this character later on um in a story like that and make him you know uh meaningful to this sequel trilogy because i feel like the gift that they gave him it would be wasted if he's never used again. Like it, it, it seems like it would be a really sad waste because it's it's a really cool ability. But not just that. I mean, what he's able to learn here as well is cool. And that's one of the kind of downsides to the uh, the new canon. I think with with the books and the comics and stuff that are coming into the new canon. It doesn't seem like they do intersect as much kind of with the main story and don't have as much importance. Obviously, back when you go back into like the the legend stuff, the movies weren't a thing then. you know, they were at least for a while. And then, you know, the prequels came out, but there was a lot of stuff coming out where they didn't really have to worry about. They were writing books that are set after Return of the Jedi and there was no movie they had to tie into. So they were telling their own story. Everything was important. You know, they could talk about Luke Luke's kids or Luke's son and Han and Leia's kids. And they're these important Jedi and any one of them, if one of them died in a book, it's a major big deal because those were kind of the movies, you know, back in, back in those times. Um, So when you, that's the kind of the downside of the new Canon, as much as I have been enjoying the new Canon is when you do have a book like this, you're not expecting it to really be that important to the overall story. You know, is Carr going to meet Ray someday? Maybe, but if he does, it's going to be because the writer of this book got to write a sequel. And so he's going to, you know, he's going to have to ask permission. Can I use Ray? Uh, Maybe not. Okay, well, you know, so it doesn't feel like it's on the same level. Whereas, like, I know everything's supposed to be canon, but it feels like the movies are, you know, the canon. And then everything else is a little bit of an offshoot. It doesn't feel like it has the same level of importance. So a character like Carr, I don't know that we're going to really get a specific tie-in with him and him being important to the overall galaxy in the story. Yeah, 
Well, that's something that uh, last week Bruce Gibson and I talked about with Resistance Reborn is that it completely takes that and turns it on its head where they, I mean, not to spoil it for you, Aaron, but they bring everything together that they've been using in the new canon. You know, they, yeah. they bring all of these storylines together in a way that make, it, it felt like the old EU. You know, it didn't feel like uh, just a book we're just like, eh, you know, whatever, uh, we'll just throw it out there because it'll make money and we'll put a label on it. What, what is it really, the journey to the rise of Skywalker? Yeah, and I think that that's cool. And I, I, I haven't read that book yet, but I have heard kind of that feedback from other people too. Um, and I think that's great, but it's still kind of in the book universe. You know, they're, yeah. they're kind yeah. of bringing all that yep. stuff together. Um, but not necessarily. I, I think with Disney Plus right now, when we have The Mandalorian and we have other Disney Plus shows that are coming and because of the some of the creators that are involved in that stuff, I think that there's more of an opportunity to start to blend some of this stuff. There's some big characters right now in the books and comics that are really popular that they could, you know, suddenly bring them in, you know, kind of the way they brought Thrawn into, into Rebels where you bring a character in and suddenly it does start to tie everything together not just the movies but also now you have these tv shows that you can start to use and they're not as risky you know big i get it a big budget movie you don't want to take risks necessarily you don't want to bring in a new character that only the the book readers know but you could bring them into mandalorian or you could bring them into another show that might come out on disney plus so i think there's opportunities for more more of this blending coming up uh, but right now I think, um, at least for the movies, I'm not expecting like any kind of surprise cameo in the rise of Skywalker of a character that we first learned about in a novel. Yeah, I I think I think the thing that, you know, know, we talked a little bit about this with last week, but, you know, at this point, they have nothing to lose. I don't think than by throwing in a, a cameo that only fans might get. But they're like, oh, it's Nora Wexley, because you can tell she has the gray hair and she's standing next to the wedge, right? You don't, you, none of that none of that hurts the film at all. It just pays off the fans. And it's like, at this point, that's you think what they you're will? here to do. Are you making a bold prediction, so. Matt? I'm, I'm, I, and I predicted it last, uh, last week, too, but I, I'm saying I think that they will do something like that because there's no reason not to. They did, you know, when you're watching Revenge, I remember watching Revenge of the Sith for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was a huge Dark Horse Comics fan, loved Quinlan Voss. And when they said Master Voss, you know, has mm-hmm. taken his troops to Boz Pity or whatever the line is. And I'm like, it just blew me away, you know, because and it was yep. literally just a name drop. You know, he did. They didn't show him. I know there was supposed to be a scene with him, but it got cut. But they didn't show him. They just said his name. And I had read countless issues of Dark Horse Comics with that character in it. And just hearing his name was a huge deal to me. So, you know, for fans of the books and comics now, if sure, if they drop in a character, even if it's just a mention of a name, um, that would be huge. I, I, the cynic that I am, I would I would bet against it. But I'd love it. Yeah, I understand. Well, and and so and I think, you know, Disney has already kind of set some precedent for it, though. I mean, when you think of Rogue One, they call out General Sindula, you know, who we've known known from the uh, and they gave us the ghost. That's one step down. 
because yeah. it's TV. They brought in the hammer. Yeah, they brought in the Hammerhead Corvettes, which you know, again, you only knew if you had seen you know the TV shows, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you got Maul being brought back in Solo. Um, Solo is probably the best example, but I think I think um, because we had John Kasdan involved oh yeah you can give him yeah. a lot of credit for that i think he slipped some stuff in there that most of the producers oh, yeah. and, and had no idea what it even was and yeah and he's he was throwing in all these references that people were picking up i don't know that that's a pretty unique situation i don't think you're going to get the same kind of thing from jj no Abrams. i agree um but i i also think that you can see how those things were successful mm-hmm. for them and so again when you're bringing the entire skywalker saga to a close here it it just it just begs the question, why wouldn't you pay off the fans at this point who have been with you for all this time, have been reading all this material? And again, anyway, that's way off track. But and they could even say they could even have given, you know, a quick little marching orders, you know, to JJ and say, hey, you know, there's going to be a bunch of background characters. We need one of them to be named Nora Wexley. You know, we just want to tie this in. Just like throw that in there. He's like, yeah. OK, you know, yep. no big deal. Yep. Yeah, they. I don't think it's impossible. Like I said, I would probably bet against it, but I'd be thrilled to hear some of these names pop up. Uh, I think, you know, people would appreciate it. And that's what kind of keeps your diehard fans coming back. Uh, 100%. Um, So talking about this idea, like, of this history, um, and, you know, for us, we just talked about the, the reason we want this history in, you know, The Rise of Skywalker but for Carr in the movie, he gets to experience a lot of the Jedi history. And I listed a bunch of the things that he kind of gets the opportunity to know about or to experience. And so what did you think, Aaron, about the things that he got a chance to experience in the Star Wars galaxy and the, and the things that he, you know, got to find? I was really surprised uh, when the book first started. I was getting kind of those those teenager vibes that we've gotten in a couple of the other books. It actually seems like a similar formula that we've gotten in a number of the new canon books where it's kind of like, uh, you know, teenage age characters. There's a guy and a girl. Um, they meet under interesting circumstances and the book goes from there. And there's a few examples of that in the new canon. Um, so I was kind of like, okay, another one of these. And I wasn't really thrilled the first, you know, couple chapters with where it was going. But quickly it caught my attention because of what you what you're saying there is where he's he's going around the galaxy and he's, you know, suddenly he's meeting Maz Kanata or he's meeting or he's talking about um, uh, cheer it. You know, he's talking about stuff like that where you're like, oh, wow, he's actually um, experiencing all these like highlights of everything that we know from all the movies and the different characters. And, um, it kind of suddenly got me interested because it was like reliving these different moments, even to the point of like, it gets to the part where he's talking about, um, Sifo-Dyas and it's like yes, a direct reference yes. to like some clone, a clone wars episode where, you know, that whole thing with the, the pikes and all of that stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, like I'm starting to like Google stuff and like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Like, oh, yeah, like what's the I was trying to remember the names and the details of what was going on. And it was really you can tell that the writer did his research for sure, uh, because there was a lot of those cool references. And that's really what for me kept me interested as I was continuing to read through this book was all those 
callbacks and connections and those moments. So uh, before we get to um, some of the particulars of, of the things, um, you know, this is this has been a hot button topic. You, you know, even in our group, Aaron, uh, the uh, the Twi'leks of the night from, from all our Dragon Con friends, we we've had some pretty heated discussions about this and this idea of fan service, right? And so this book is, I mean, you could say it's full of that because of all of the different places and the things that Carr experiences. So does this is this a moment where the fan service is done right and well for you to help sell the story in a way that is beneficial? Or was there any time that you felt like, oh man, we're going to do this? I think it depends on the kind of reader you are. And what you, I think there's going to be people that really don't like that about this book. They're going to say it's unoriginal, you know, it's just, they're, they're kind of relying on the name dropping of all these popular characters to kind of keep people interested. So there will be, there will be people that criticize that for me as a reader. I love it. I love the connections. I love it when I'm reading a book and suddenly they're mentioning a name of a character that I have to go and think back because some of them were obvious. Some of you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Skywalker, all that stuff is super obvious, but then they're dropping other names and you're trying to be like, okay, when was, what was that from or what? And you kind of have to start thinking back and connecting it to other things that you've either watched or read. Um, even there was a planet name that was dropped that I was like, how do I know this planet? And then I looked it up and it was a planet that they had, they had kind of announced in the lead up to the new movie that we haven't even seen this planet yet. It's a planet that like Zori bliss is from. And so just little things like that, where it's like these cool little Easter eggs that if you're paying attention, it's going to excite you. If you like that kind of stuff, some people don't like that kind of stuff. And for me as a, my personal taste, I thought it added to the story and didn't take away from it. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you. And, and the reason is, is because the point of this story is to get this character from a place where he does not know who the Jedi are and what their story is to a point where he does know who the Jedi are and what their story is. And I think because that's the point of this book, obviously the book's called force collectors. We talked about at the beginning, you know, um, and the whole point is to try and find the connection with the Force. He's collecting history. He's collecting the, the history of the Force. And so for him to get this opportunity to, you know, the fact that he has Chirrut's staff, apparently, are a part of it. And, um, or the fact that he, um, you know, when they go to Utapau, uh, Tion Mendon's staff, you know, he gets to see Obi-Wan Kenobi meeting him there. Um, that they they find the Falcon on Jakku just sitting there, you know, and he finds the remote. Um, like you said, Sifo Dyas. Uh, they they he travels to Obadiah and and, and um, finds his last holocron and yeah, not holocron, but um, data pad that has his last message on it, where he confesses, you know, um, going to dock Ondor ship on Batu and or, or uh, shop on Batu and 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 getting the Inquisitor's lightsaber. Uh, <laughs> At possibly my favorite, which is when Maz gives him Luke's medal, which she thought was Han's. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> which was, was fantastic. Um, but we get C-3PO's arm. 
the the original so uh you know gold arm which i was trying to remember because didn't they do a, a one-shot comic about how he got did. the red arm yeah. okay because i was trying to remember like i don't know that i read that comic so i was like oh yeah is there a story already about how his how he lost his arm um because wasn't it inside of a creature is what um car says or the person that was sold it to him or the person that showed it to him was like i don't know how he got it outside outside of the creature or whatever but it made me want to go back and read that comic Mm -hmm. all of this i think it it worked for me because the whole point of this story is to get the character to this point and so i really liked um I, i i just thought that they did a very good job with this story and and getting us there and I liked everything that they were using. And and two, what was great is is that it's this puzzle piece he's you know, this puzzle he's trying to put together and he doesn't quite have it all until the very end when he meets his great grandfather, who is a Jedi, who is one of the twenty. This is really cool. We actually know the name of another one of the lost twenty who yeah, left was, the Jedi Order. I was gonna ask you about that, because I thought it was pretty like there's only ever been twenty Right. That like voluntarily left the order. And I couldn't remember how many of those we knew. I was like, oh, this seems like a big deal. Like and, and they didn't even mention it. They never said anything about the 20. It was kind of just like, a, oh, yeah, this guy left. So I'm like, oh, I guess we can add him to the list. Which is crazy to me because the only I'm trying to think of if we know anybody else. But obviously the only other one we really know is Dooku, um, you know, so. This was really neat to me, the fact that he it helps them, he puts all of the pieces together. And what's neat is, is that part of this is about finding your place, you know, and, and how to best use your gifts. And I really liked that part of, of Carr's story because, you know, again, this is a, is a young adult book. And so that whole struggle is the, is the struggle of a teenager, how do I find my place in the universe and how do I figure out where best to use the gifts I've been given to benefit not just myself, but other people? And I thought that was really strong, you know, it, because it it's a struggle that he has, but it's also a struggle that Maisie has in the story. And so you put those two characters together having this struggle. Um, I really appreciate that. I thought it was really well done. Can we talk a little bit about how bad their parents are, though? I was, I was like... <laughs> Initially, I was thinking, okay, these kids got, they kind of went off, they took a ship, they went off, you know, their parents didn't know, but then they come back and then they talk their parents into letting them go off again. And I was just sitting there thinking as a parent, I don't have kids that are this old, but I was thinking, I am not in a million years, you know, if my daughter came to me and was like, oh yeah, so I want to take the ship. I know, you know, we, we got in trouble already, but... I want to take the ship again and I want to go out with this teenage boy, just us two, gallivant across the nation, you know, jumping around from different spots, you know, it's for a good cause. I'm looking, I'm looking at that going, nope, as a parent, no way. I was like, as I was reading that part of the book where they're both trying to convince their parents to let them go the second time, I'm like, what, in what galaxy would parents (laughs) let this happen? They're not like, hey, can we just go to the store and pick up ice cream? Yeah. You know, it, it kind of reminded me of how... It just reminded me of that, that teenage years when you you get a, the ability to use the car, right? 
And so at the beginning of the story, you know, they, they take the car uh, without permission, you know, and, you know, they, they get in a little bit of trouble for that. Um, and so the, the rest, uh, when they ask again, it's about being respectful of their parents. And, and, you know, I thought, I thought that was really actually a really strong part of the story to be able to, to show the struggle of what it means to try and grow up but also do it in a way that is respectful of those that are your parents and respect those that are in authority above you. And without these kids being overly obnoxious, I thought that was really strong because a lot of books aimed at teenagers these days, I feel like have a a hard time walking that line. But I feel like Kevin Sesnick really did a great job with writing both of these characters to make them very relatable as teenagers, but not so much that you kind of want to wring their necks because they're just so smart alecky and kind of little turds, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe I'm just have my own teenager experience, like kind of, you know, kind of getting involved here because I'm thinking back when I was a teenager and there's no way in a million years my parents would have let me go off with some girl that they just met, you know? to go around to different places in a car. Like they just, it would have never happened. And it's like, it's not like they were, like I said, they weren't just saying, Hey, can we run to the store real quick? They want yeah. to go to other planets. They want to <laughs> like go, you know, let's take the the family vehicle and we're going to be gone for a few days kind of thing. <laughs> um, that's a responsibility. Minivan? I didn't, I didn't have that privilege until I was, you know, off to college. Right. Yeah. So it was, I just kept laughing at how I was just like, not in a million years. Yeah, no, I I totally get it, and I think I think you are absolutely right. There's there's an element of like you have to check that kind of part of us at the door a little bit. Like Star they Wars, they were likable is, characters for sure. So they you know, and they probably had built up enough trust with their parents up to this point that they were cool with them doing this. Um, wasn't so Maisie's dad was in the first order. Mm-hmm. But didn't Maisie say something? Maybe I'm just mis- not remembering this correctly. But didn't she say something to her dad initially about like what what um, Carr was kind of up to and what he was looking for? Yeah, that was that was so that was something I was really interested in. So that was something that it kind of walked the line for me a little bit. The idea that her dad is in the first order and that. Obviously, you know, the First Order tracked down Carr because they they realize what mission he's on, finding Jedi stuff, and they realize that, you know, he doesn't know anything about Skywalker, which is all that all they care about, which also lets you know just how short-sighted the First Order is, <laughs> you know? Like, they have no, no need for history. They think they, they know it all, so that it doesn't matter to them. Whereas if maybe they'd had some of that history um, explained to them, they would have, you know, been able to, uh, dad doesn't matter. I mean, if you're part of the first order, you're probably not a great person to begin with. Um, and once he realizes there's this kid out there looking for Jedi stuff, that's like no questions asked. You arrest that kid, right? I, you know, I, I just thought it was weird. So. It's not the guy you want your daughter hanging out with. You know, if he's interested in the Jedi and just like I that's something where they're like, you know what, let's take this kid in. Let's see what mm-hmm. he knows. Let's interrogate him. It just was weird to me that her dad was in the First Order and just kind of chill about the whole thing. Yeah. To me, 
I I 100% agree with you. I do think that it felt a little bit odd to have her dad be a First Order officer who not only is a First Order officer, uh, you know, just anywhere, he works on Starkiller Base. Like, <laughs> he's he's like, he's like not oh. a good dude. So dude might be dead. Dude might be dead. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, so, I didn't pick up on that, that he was yeah, a Starkiller Base. Yeah, I, 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 when Maisie... Uh, when he car was at Maisie's house, he touched something of her father's, and he he saw uh, that a planet that was cold and snowy, and it felt like there was this darkness to it. And I was like, "Oh, so he works on Starkiller Base? Gotcha. That is not good <laughs> for him." <laughs> <laughs> no, not too many people made it off that that installation. No, not at all. Um, so. We talked a little bit just about, you know, these new characters with Carr and Maisie. And uh, I thought it was really interesting that Carr is the only other Jedi who has the same powers that we see Voss have. Like, this is this is not something that a lot of Jedi, like you said earlier, have. And he has this power. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, I think that's cool, and I hope that they keep that kind of stuff unique. You know, any of these kind of specialized powers that a Jedi has, I think it would be nice if, you know, they're... I like that not all Jedi... There's kind of like the core abilities that most Jedi have, but then there's like these special abilities that only a couple have, or some are better than others at. And I like that um, there's only so far in canon, at least as far as I know... uh, there's only these two characters now, you know, it used to be very unique to Quinlan Voss and now they've introduced a new character that has the same ability. And I, you know, I, I hope that they kind of like leave it at that. Let's, let's make it unique to these two characters. No, I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think what makes this, a, a, a you know, car, a strong character is like you were mentioning earlier to have a force sensitive character who doesn't become a Jedi but has these different abilities, it lets us see that, you know, just because one has the Force doesn't mean they automatically need to become a Jedi. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, look, this is, I think, a thing where, you know, if they don't ever decide to do anything else with the sequel trilogy, you know, this is also a character who, if they want to continue the story with books, with, you know, Rey and Poe and Finn, and especially just Rey and the Jedi and all, you know, he would actually make a great historian, you know, like a teacher for the Jedi Academy. You know, um, he does again, he doesn't have to be a Jedi, but he's also force sensitive and that gives him the ability to learn these things and to know these things. Um, and he, his goal here, obviously, is already to be a teacher um, to others and to help um show them the uh what what has been missed in history about the Jedi. And so I really like that thought too. I just it, again, I I think the thing I like most about this book is that I actually enjoyed the character of Carr and Maisie because Carr is the, you know, super awkward teenage boy who doesn't quite fit into his own skin yet. And Maisie is kind of the 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 louder, rambunctious, 
cynical teenager, you know, and both of them together really played off each other really well. Um, and I just didn't, I just enjoyed reading their characterizations. I thought, you know, they were, to me, they were really fun characters to read, which is good when you're reading a book like this because you have to like these new characters or else you're not going to enjoy a book like this, you know? Right. Um, as far as like him being the type of character that would be good in the future for, you know, kind of a future Academy with different Jedi. I completely agree with that. It would be interesting. I don't think this is the case, but every once in a while they will do something where they know something's coming you know, in, in the movie. So they're going to plant the seeds for it in a book beforehand. So you don't really get the big reveal until you actually watch the movie. And then you're like, Oh, that's the same character that I just read this book about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you know, it's entirely possible they could show some sort of a scene with Ray and, you know, maybe some students that she's gathered, uh, you know, in the, in the year that we have between the movies and, you know, maybe one of them's name is Carr. you know, and, that would be an interesting thing. I think I'm trying to remember with Snap Wexley. Did we get stuff about the Wexley kid in Aftermath before the movie came out? Or was that all after? Uh, well, I mean, the first Aftermath book came out before the movie and Snap was a kid in that book. So okay. we absolutely, you know, got him as a character. Yeah. So that's a good example of us getting a character in a book even though it was always intended he was going to be in the movie. So it's not like the movie was referencing right. the book, but it was kind of a, a pre-reference yep. to the movie. But you didn't, you wouldn't have known that, um, you know, until that character was revealed. So there's definitely a possibility for, the, for that type of thing. And I think that's one thing that the old legend stuff did a really good job of, too, with, you know, kind of showing all these different Jedi that were part of Luke's Academy, but a lot of them were introduced in a lot of different books. It wasn't like there was just one book that all of a sudden all these, these Jedi were found, you know, there was different book series that different Jedi, even the comics that Jedi were discovered. And they even had a Jedi kind of historian type character, um, in those books that was not, um, Tion, I think was her name or something like that. I just read that series. Okay, so good. I'm glad you can verify my things I haven't thought about in a long time. But, um, you know, so there was a character like that. So I, I like the idea of, of him being a part of the future of the Jedi and kind of playing that role. Now, will we get more stories? Maybe not, but that would be it's a nice thought. So and and you saying that, too, it also brought to mind to me the idea. So they introduced something in this book that I had only seen in a um and a character guide that had come out, and they they finally introduced the Sith symbol. Uh, and they introduce it in this book as well, because it's on the back cover. Um, and it's uh, the, the Jedi symbol and the Sith symbol are halved in this book throughout the book as, as markers like to, to, to delineate uh, a different section in a chapter. And so... Um, Obviously, we know, too, from Resistance that Kylo Ren is on the search for Sith artifacts and dark Jedi or Jedi artifacts. So this is another place where I feel like this book, even if not um, Carr specifically referenced, this idea, I think, is going to be part of the 
you know, where we're going in The Rise of Skywalker. And it's something that's been planted, I think, throughout a lot of the the different new canon material, which is that artifacts are really important. I mean, we even started off the the Force Awakens with Vader's ruined helmet, right? Um, and it almost being like an altar that <laughs> Kylo prays at. And so, you know, it, it would make sense to me that um, this would definitely be something that informs at least some things that we see, even if not specifically referenced in the movie. Yeah, it'll it'll be worth thinking about again after we watch the yeah. movie. Yeah, and kind of thinking back to this book and say, oh, were there things that maybe we didn't catch that were little hints to things that were going to happen in the movie? I mean, mm-hmm. they they did they did bring us to Zori Bliss's planet. I don't know that I would have picked up on that other than just the name sounded kind of familiar. So I decided to look it up and then I'm like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't think a lot of people reading this book would have picked up on that. Cause they didn't mention her at all. They didn't really, they didn't even stay on that planet very long, but they did name drop something that's going to be in rise of Skywalker. So there could be other examples of that throughout the book that we won't know until, you know, after the movie's out. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I, 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 I really liked that, um, you know, because that was really interesting. That's the planet that, you know, he gets stopped by the First Order and questioned for quite a while um, about what he's doing and if, you know, he's got um, any any ideas about the whereabouts of of Luke Skywalker and all. And so, um, yeah, to me, that that was definitely fascinating. And and I think, you know, this book itself had a lot in it to, to like. Which I guess leads me to wondering then, what would what would you rate this book? Because I, I feel like we've had mostly positive things to say about the book uh, overall. So where do you think you you what do you think you'd rate this one? So it it read a little younger than I expected. It being a YA novel and maybe like Lost Stars has spoiled us. But when I read, you know, things like Lost Stars, I I felt almost like it was just right on the edge of just being a straight up adult novel and not necessarily YA. Um, And then this one felt like it was almost on the edge of being a junior novel. Kind of it felt a little bit more like some of the the junior novels that I've read. So that would be my one criticism of it is like reading it as someone um, who's a little bit older. I definitely would have liked it to be a little bit of a, a, a little bit higher um, up as far as like kind of the age range. I know it was, it was advertised as a YA novel, but it felt a little younger than that. Um, as far as the book overall, I thought the story was pretty cool. The strength for me was the, all the cool references to the different things that he came across, the different characters and kind of a little bit more into the, like the lore of the Jedi and that kept me interested throughout. So I would say it's definitely, you know, if I'm rating it like on a star rating, you know, I'd probably give it like three and a half out of five. So having read all of the journey to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker at this point, um, I think this book is much more successful than, say, the Spark of the Resistance book. Um, and this book doesn't even have a, you know, a character that we know. And I think part of that had to do with the fact that, you know, when you're when you're writing these stories, 
and you're going to be adding to the milieu of Star Wars. I felt like they did a good job with just kind of making me feel like I was a part of the Star Wars galaxy in the time period before The Force Awakens. And like that character, I'm I'm learning what the galaxy knows about the Jedi along with that character. Like I and, and I I'm on the journey with the character, which I think is really fun. Um, and I liked the characters in the book. I do feel like you're right. It reads a little bit younger, but I didn't necessarily have a problem with it because it never got juvenile. Um, it definitely just felt like it was a, a lot lighter tone for the most part, like in, 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 its, in its writing style. But I just really enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I've read it twice and I wasn't bored either times. Um and like you said, I also enjoyed the references that we got. I, I thought to bring all that together was really fun. And, you know, it reminded me, and I haven't read it, but it kind of reminded me, you remember Tatooine's Ghost, how it introduced all the prequel elements to that era of Star Wars, you know, in the the New Jedi Order type of, type of era, you know, where they, yeah. they allow I, the characters to know what happened in the prequels in many ways, this kind of feels like that same type of book in some ways that we're introducing to the galaxy that doesn't really know much about the Jedi. We're kind of introducing that back into the galaxy, like it becoming more the hope that is, is that it would become more common knowledge. So to me, that thought process is kind of cool. And like we talked about, maybe where this could go in other books as well with this character and then maybe his connection with Ray and other things. So to me, I really enjoyed this book and I would give it a, a four out of five. I, you know, of the of the things that we've gotten, this and Resistance Reborn are the ones that I would recommend people read. Um, this one, not because of its connection necessarily, but just because... I enjoyed the book and I thought it was just a good Star Wars book on a whole. Yeah, it's a nice it's kind of like a nice refresher to like things that have happened in the galaxy. Um I don't think it necessarily adds much like if somebody was saying, "Do I need to right. read this book before I see uh Rise of Skywalker?" I'd say absolutely not. Um unless unless there is something that connects, which I just don't think right. there's going to be. Um it's a cool little story with with fun characters. But it doesn't tell us anything we didn't already know. Um, and it doesn't necessarily inform the upcoming movie. Uh, but if you just if you're the kind of person that just wants to, you know, take in every fun story you can find that has Star Wars on it, this is definitely a fun story that introduces some mm-hmm. really cool new characters. Yeah. It's absolutely. just not it's not necessary reading. No, no. No, I, I wouldn't like you said, I would not say it's necessary until we actually see the story. Uh, with the rise of Skywalker, I would say, you know, if you're just eagerly anticipating the new movie and you're just like, you just kind of want to read some star Wars, you know, resistance reborn and the force collector are great books to, to, to pick up and read before the movie comes out. If you're just like, Oh man, I'm watching the Mandalorian. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, you know, I'm waiting for the rise of Skywalker. I want some more star Wars in my life. Definitely pick up Force Collector. Agreed. So, uh, Aaron, it's always great to have you back, man. Um, 
just love getting to have friends on to to talk about Star Wars and uh, you know obviously our our connection. If if people saw our our conversations behind scenes, it, it would it, I think it would be funny because um, we don't always agree on Star Wars, but hey, we pretty much agreed on this book, which was awesome. Um, and you know I know you're doing a lot else in in podcasting the world. So where can people catch up with you if they would like to? Uh, maybe talk about this or see what else you've got going on. Well, I definitely have the uh, the podcast I'm probably most known for is Star Wars Bookworms. I also do another podcast called Mouse and Castle that's all about Disney and kind of the Disney parks and my experiences going to the Disney parks and just watching and all things Disney. Um, and then I do another one called Bad Wolf Radio that should be coming back soon because Doctor Who is coming back soon. So I do that podcast as well. Um, that's just all about Doctor Who. So those are a few other podcasts that I do if anyone wants to check them out. And they should. Um, I, I would definitely, uh, one, Star Wars Bookworms is fun uh, with you and Teresa. And, I mean, you guys talking about uh, Doctor Who on Bad Wolf Radio and, and you know, you guys are always getting into uh, the new seasons once that drops. It is a lot of fun to watch you guys and listen to you guys. <laughs> you and Adam not always agree on the episodes, which is which makes for some really fun listening. So, yeah, I highly encourage you to check out what, what Aaron's got going on um, over there. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Vero under the name MattRushing02. You can also find me here on the network doing the Orb with Chris Jones, talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We get a chance to record. Uh, it's always a lot of fun to be able to talk about my favorite Star Trek show. You can find me over on the Nerd Party Network, do two shows over there. One's called Owl Post, and I do that with Dre Kaufman, and we talk about um, Harry Potter each and every week, one chapter at a time. I'm doing aggressive negotiations, of course, uh, with John Mills as we talk about Star Wars each and every week. It is always a blast to get to talk Star Wars with him. And, you know, as we're hitting up the rise of Skywalker, there is so much Star Wars to be talking about these days, so I hope that you will check that out. And then last but not least, uh, you can find me doing a show called Cinema Stories, and I do that with my good friend Courtney, and that is where we talk about films, but through the lens of faith. We want to say thank you so much for joining us, and may the Force be with you. (laughs) ¶¶